Hello there and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Hello there, my name is Des Cahill and today we're going to hear the stories behind the musical memories of a wonderful Cork woman. Katrina Toomey heads up the Penny Dinners charity which feeds the hungry people of Cork seven days a week, 365 days a year. So Katrina, I know Penny Dinners is really well known in Cork and hugely respected there but for people in the rest of the country Tell us a bit more about it. How many people would you feed in a week? Well, because of the COVID-19, you know, that's gone up dramatically. And the way it works now is people just have to come to the door and we give them a four-course lunch at the door for them to take away. And that goes on all day long. So we could have four, maybe 500 meals going out every day. And at night time then, we put a team together. We call them the night Riders and they go around on bikes and we have a big white van and we follow in the white van and we have all the hot food and hot boxes. Anybody that's sleeping rough will get a hot meal to keep them, you know, fed throughout the night. And we give them sandwiches, drinks and treats and stuff like that. And we also deliver to hotels, to B&Bs, to hostels. You know, a lot of people yeah. that are homeless, homeless families and homeless individuals are in these places now. We just take the food to them also. So we have drivers going up in the morning and at night. So that's up to 3,000 a week. It's a staggering number. And it is. I, I'm intrigued, Katrina. I don't know why I thought the numbers might be down a bit during COVID, but they're up significantly. No, and they're increasing every day because now we have a lot of people that are coming to us who won't be going back to work, especially in the hospitality sector. You know, their future is going to be a bit daunting for them and some of them are losing their homes even. You know, we've met three new people on the streets last night who were working, but now they're not in receipt of any money, so they're on the street now. It's shocking, it's shocking. It's It, ha- it has a history, Penny Dinners. How, how far back does it go, Katrina? Well, it goes back to famine times. It was officially set up in 1888 by a group of like-minded men and women um, who just didn't like to see the Irish suffer. You know, we mm. had a big famine in Ireland and... Um, you know, it just shows that there's goodness all over the world and there were people here that didn't like to see us suffering, so they decided that they would come up with a soup kitchen, which they did, and it involved various different, um, I suppose, groups at the time and, and churches, and it would have been Church of England, Church of Ireland, and later on other churches came on board, and that's that's what it was. The practice of paying the penny was that any businessman could go and buy some tickets, could leave them in a church, and anybody that was hungry could go to the church, get a ticket, and go to the penny dinners and get um, a quart of soup and bread. And originally, was it in other places than Cork, or was it just in Cork? We had the Cork penny dinners as the original one mm-hmm. um, it's because it's there such a very long time I know there's a St. Teresa Penny Dinners in Dublin as well and it's not as old as us it, it was in different locations in Cork but it was the same Penny Dinners But when you describe the range of people and I, I, and I know it's there's a kind of a new element now of people who had been earning wages etc up until yeah. recent times and there's the people who have fallen on hard times and have been homeless etc is it all very the, the amount of sadness is massive is, is it difficult to cope with all of that at times 
at the minute, it's something like a bewilderment for a, a huge amount of people. You can you can see it in their faces. They're confused. They're bewildered. They don't know what's happening. They don't know what their future is, is going to be like. They're wor- worried if they have a future, if they have a job to go back to. So th- there's a lot of new people coming to us. We now have families who have to work maybe and maybe pay childminders to stay at home with their children who would ordinarily be in school. So there's an increase in everybody's um, money. You know, there's a, it's, it's been stretched very, very far. And uh, some people have to come to us, even though they might have jobs and stuff, they still have to come for to get food, to put that food on the table because the children are home all the time now and people are all saying that all anybody is doing is just eating each other out of house and home but it is very very tough on a lot of people and there's also the fear factor running right like the elderly you know they're stuck in their homes for yeah. such an awfully long time and the young people are kind of forgotten about in in a way when they're just told like that oh you're in the low risk category you'll be alright but stay in it is causing, as I said, a bewilderment mm. is rife among people. We see it coming. They're coming to the door. People that used to come into our places, they're coming now. And their hair is, you know, grown massively. It's all over the place. And they, some of them can't, you know, won't even shave. And there's a, a difference there, a big difference in, in appearance as well for a, a lot of people. I watched a documentary about Penny Dinners just to educate myself about all you're doing. And it was a lovely documentary. The, the Brennans, Francis and John Brennan, uh, came to redo your original building. But one of the people who, fe- who featured in it, Katrina, and, you know, it doesn't matter what her name was, but she was studying veterinary in UCC. Yes. But couldn't afford accommodation. Yeah. And she'd stay in, in the library. You could stay in the library until 2 a.m. in UCC and she could go to the gym for mm-hmm. a shower at 6.30 a.m. So between 2 a.m. and 6.30, if you'd know where to go, and she, and you no. fed her. We did. You know, we gave her clothes and stuff like that and we looked after her. But when we approached UCC and informed them of what was happening, they very quickly came on board. And UCC are really very good that way because she wouldn't be the only student that would be struggling. Mm. So they have a huge amount of liaison officers up there that, that will help people. Like we still have students from all colleges that come to to penny dinners to eat because they're struggling to put food, you know, into their stomachs and they want to stay at college. So they have a choice either get a job or come to penny dinners and have something to eat and they can stay in college then. And, you know, the college will tell them they can pop down to us and there's groups. We run an initiative in, in Penny Dinners that we set up years ago with UCC. It's called Food for Thought. And a lot of people, when they enter college, they're, it's, I suppose, a mental health initiative. They're fearful of what they're going to meet. You know, they, they don't fit in so well. Yeah. And they come along and they think that they have anxiety problems, etc. So what we do is we encourage the students to come down to Penny Dinners and we have chefs then on board that will come in and teach the students how to string a four-course meal together, <laughs> an easy one, how to what to purchase when you go to the shops. So the students then are charged with prepping, with cooking alongside the chefs and then serving each other and they all sit down, they all eat and they talk about mental health and poverty, etc. So it's quickly identified students that would need a bit of extra help. And then UCC or ourselves get on board and we do that. But it's a, it's a very successful initiative. Yeah, and I think maybe all colleges should follow it because it, it gets the student through their college years. Your first musical choice, Katrina Toomey, Dean Martin. We grew up, I suppose, in a very kind of musical family and... There was a lot of dancing because my mother was an Irish step dancer 
and she was kind of quite famous here on the local scene. And what was her name? She, she um, breed Breedney Ree, Breed King. Yeah. And she just kind of won everything, and she was a stunning-looking woman. And then she met and married my father, who was a soldier, and she would want us to, you know, especially myself, I was the eldest, she wanted me to learn how to step dance, but I was very interested in sport. And my father one day came to me and my mother wouldn't let me go play the sport. Like she'd say, no, you have to learn to dance. You have to do the girly thing and whatever. And my dad came to me one day, he said, if you want to play basketball and camogie, he said, learn how to dance. And your mother let you do anything else than you want to do. So there was a lot of dancing went on in the house, but none of us like matched my mother. Sometimes she would dance at home and my dad would be there then. And if he wanted to kind of draw her out a small bit, like I'd just have a bit of fun with her. He'd put on sway and he would dance to that. Yeah. And then she would kind of give up <laughs> and do that type of dancing with him because he couldn't step dance, obviously. Yeah. We'd all have to do it then. We kind of learned to do, you know, the like things like the, the rumba and... Uh, Nova and stuff like that. <laughs> so there was a lot of different types of dancing went on in the house, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it wasn't until later years then that I found that I did have a love of dancing and went on to teach some dancing myself. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's Way by Dean Martin, the choice of today's guest, Katrina Toomey from Cork Penny Dinners. Katrina, you mentioned your dad there in, in, in that song and he was the reason you got involved in penny dinners at a very young age? He was because on Christmas Day we didn't feel like we were ordinary children at all. Our dad would disappear and we wanted to eat that beloved selection box that we had to wait (laughs) from one Christmas to another Christmas to get. We weren't allowed to eat it until we'd have dinner. And then our dinner could be six o'clock, seven o'clock in the evening, you know, five if we were on a lucky Christmas Day. By then we wouldn't have any mind for the the selection box. But one Christmas I wrote a letter and I had my brother and sister with me, Eilish and Robert. And when Dad came back, I gave him the letter and he sat in the stairs with his arms around us and he read the letter. And he said, come on, we go in and help your mum, you know, and your grandmother, the dinner is ready. And that was the end of the letter. And we had great fun. We had our dinner and all of that. And... Christmas Day was began then for us at six or seven o'clock. We had a lovely time laughing and joking because my dad was always kind of upbeat. So the following year then, as I said, no mention of anything, the letter. But the following Christmas, he got me up at the dawn, took me away, and it was pitch dark. Down we went to the College of Commerce and he put me to work and I was peeling carrots and I was peeling potatoes and chopping up stuff and then he was making desserts and he put me doing... Lots and lots of stuff. And I kept on looking at him throughout the morning and saying, oh, God, this is cruel. Like, this isn't what I wanted my Christmas Day to be like. And I was so sorry for that letter. But he just kept me at it. And then people started to arrive. The elderly and the poor were collected by the soldiers and by other lay people. And they would be brought down to the College of Commerce and they would be given a beautiful Christmas Day and a bit of a party. So then when they were all seated and the hall was decorated and all those fabulous you know, homemade decorations and stuff like that and really done up and balloons everywhere. So there was a fabulous atmosphere. And then he made me go and serve and I was very shy and didn't want to do that. So he said, no, out you go. And I had to go because it was so fast-paced inside there that you couldn't, you know, throw a strap like and say, I'm not doing that. So I went out and I even was more cross with him then. But then people were saying to me, are you Tom's girl? And I was saying, yeah, I am. 
and they were telling me nice things about my dad who had, you know, and they look forward to this and it's the highlight of their year and that they loved him and they would say, will you thank your mum for the present or thank your grandmother for the present? I knew something special was happening. I didn't know what it was. But when we were going home in the car, I was saying, Dad, can we do this again next week? Mm. And then my dad, as I said, was a soldier and my grandmother's sisters helped him to, helped him to buy his own business because he was a chef. Got his first business then and my mum went to work with him and they kind of worked then for the rest of their lives side by side. They were always kind of at each other's side. And he got a second business and his third business because they did work very, very hard. Mm. And again, I think I was able to understand kindness through what both of them they did. And my dad would look after a lot of the soldiers' families. Even if a, like if a soldier was over in the pub, dad would say to him, I'm not giving you anything. No, he said, you can well afford it. If you can buy a pint, you can buy mm. a bag of chips or something like that. But he would look after their families and their children. He was very good that way. Mm. So dad always said, be kind and be fair. And it took me a while to understand what he meant, but eventually I did. It, it, just, it just meant like, do be kind and do be fair in your life and treat everybody as you'd like to be treated yourself. He always kind of commanded a huge respect among people because he would give with a heart and a half, but he would also let you know that if he's going to help you, you're going to have to give back as well. For example, I was on the train one time going to Dublin to see him. He was having heart surgery. I had my eldest boy with me and he made friends with a couple that were seated uh, just above us. And they started talking and they were saying, where are you going? And I was saying, I was going to see my dad and one thing led to another. And I see the man and woman look very funny at each other when I mentioned who my father was. Mm. So they said, can we sit here? I said, yeah. And they came down and they told me that years ago, they went to my mum and dad and they were very behind in their rent and they were going to be put out of their home. And it all boiled down to the man's drinking. He was in the army as well with my father. And he said they went to my mum and dad because he said that at the time there was nobody else loaded, but my mum and dad had come good. He went and asked them for, for money. He asked my dad, and my dad said, I have to go down and ask Breda, which was my mum. And he went down and he spoke to her. And they went back up to the that couple's house and they gave, said, we'll give you the money. But my dad said, you give up the drink and cop yourself on. Gosh. And he said, otherwise I won't give it to you. Mm. So he said, uh, all right, I will. And my dad said, he said, I'll follow through with this. And the couple were said that they took the money. And then the wife came in and she said, and to this day he hasn't touched a drink. And he's the best husband in the world. And she said, we owe that to, the, to your mum and dad. And she said, when we kind of came good ourselves, we went to give your father back the money. And he said, no, give it to somebody else. He said that you meet along the way, someone will come up that needs it. The penny drops from probably the lessons that I learned from my parents and from my grandmother because she lived in the same house with us. Mum and dad were threatening to move out forever into their own house, but they stayed because my grandmother, they didn't want her on her own. So she was part of our rearing as well so again back to our musical part of life then as well we learned you know how to dance and how to sing and and how to play you know instruments and stuff like that but my grandmother's sisters all immigrated and when they used to come home we were living in the family home so there would be a lot of music and I think every hymn every song that's out there I know off by heart and people would always say in the name of God how do you know all of those things <laughs> it's just that I was the eldest and I used to sleep in my grandmother's bedroom with her and she'd sing all night to you Right. And you, that's probably how I learned them. Le Leonard Cohen is your second choice, Bird on the Wire. 
It is. And I suppose that goes back to when I was doing my leaving cert, I was kind of after finding Leonard Cohen. And I found Chris Christopherson as well and Bob Dylan. But Leonard Cohen in particular used to drive my grandmother's spare. And we had a big house and I would be up the top and she could be out the back hanging out the washing. And I'd hear her scream, how can you study listening to that? Fella Catawallon and the, the phone are on the, the the record player and stuff like that. And uh, I used to say, Nan, I, I'm, you know, he's brilliant. He's this, he's that. And she'd say, brilliant, my eye. And this went on for ages and she kept on giving out to me about Leonard Cohen and she said, can you study without listening to him? And I'd say, I don't think so. And she'd say, sure, how can you learn anything by listening to him? And then years passed and I had a load of sons before I had my first daughter and she was just about, say, maybe two months, three months old and my grandmother's nieces and uh, nephews and grandnieces and nephews were home from America and they were going back and we had to drive down to Shannon. You know, we were all going down all the family to say goodbye and I was driving with my grandmother and my little girl, Maria, was in the back and she was known to be a bit of a baller and she'd cry and stopped. You know, she was, as a baby, like you'd have to walk around her and everybody was saying she has colic, she has this, she has the other, but I just think she liked being up. And the next thing I heard, my grandmother singing Leonard Cohen in the back with the car and I couldn't believe it. So I laughed all the way to Shannon. And when we were coming back, we were passing Bunratty Castle on the way back and off she went into Bird on the Wire. And I was after listening to the Sisters of Mercy and another few and I was saying, how did she? No, she didn't have all the words, but she put her own words to them. And um, that was funny as well, because every time she'd sing a line wrong, you know, I'd break my sides laughing. So I, I just thought like that. In his own way, like, he, he touched her as well. And now I have um, my son Vincent, they have a little girl, Mia, and uh, she's just about four or five months now, Mia. And he's telling me, like, that it's only Leonard Cohen she will listen to. She won't listen to anything else. He's tried everything, and the minute he sings Leonard Cohen, she's lapping it all up, she stays quiet, and she loves it. So I think um, he's run through the whole family, Leonard, like, so... Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's Bird on the Wire by Leonard Cohen, the choice of today's guest Katrina Toomey, the woman behind Penny Dinners in Cork, which serves up to 3,000 meals a week to the hungry in Cork. How many volunteers do you deal with, Katrina? We have a huge amount of volunteers. Now, we have a very strong core team. And when I say core team, I mean the people that can come in, that can cook, you know, prep, cook, and get the day's dinner ready and put it out there. And then we have volunteers that'll come in and do the wash-up. We have volunteers that'll come in and serve, volunteers that'll make sandwiches, and we have other volunteers that'll, you know, find their own niche inside and do that work. We also have, have a day where by we, we would have a lot of people that would come in. You know, we have a girl, Emer, she's blind. She's been with me about seven, seven or eight years now. And Emer does the wash-up with her assistant, and she loves it inside. There's room for everybody and I believe that if, if we don't stick by that in penny dinners like that, we won't be what we are. So on Friday, Thursdays and Fridays, you know, we'd have a lot of people with special needs that volunteer with us inside. And even though it may be a longer day for all of us, it's a much better day because the joy that they bring to us is amazing and we love it and we have a great bit of fun because it's a pure, innocent bit of fun. And then, you know, we have volunteers that are staggered throughout the day. Some come in at six, seven in the morning and then they make away at nine or ten. 
and then you'd have others that like to stay all day and will just row in and help out and we have some then that come in the afternoon and then some in the evening. So all in all, like we'd have a couple of hundred volunteers, but on any given day, about 20. Well, it's a fantastic organisation. And our final piece of music, your third choice, is probably appropriate for, for the work done by Penny Dinners in Cork, Katrina. Well, Hank Waddell, he's a, a musician here in Cork. He's originally from America. And Hank, we have a choir in Penny Dinners called the High Hopes Choir. There's one in Dublin as well. Mm-hmm. And Hank, being, you know, very well known here in Cork, but he's very good to the choir as well and he comes over and he shares songs with us and gets us to join in with him singing and he's a brilliant uh, songwriter and he wrote a song called Listen and Christy Moore recorded the song and if you just listen to the words of it and just close your eyes as he says and listen to the words sometimes we miss an awful lot of stuff by just not listening we miss the simple things in life you know instead of looking for the holy grail let's just look at what we have, count our blessings rather than look for, for any more. It's it's just about that. It's just about taking time, sitting back, listening and being grateful and thankful for what we have. Christy makes a beautiful job of it, as mm. only Christy can do. And we actually recorded with Christy with the High Hope Squire and he's been to Penny Dinners and we sang... He sang in Penny Dinners for everybody and makes great time for the, the, the people that come to Penny Dinners and also for the people in the High Hopes Choir. We were in the charts with two songs of Christy. We were um, with Fairy Tale in New York. We recorded that with him and we recorded Quiet Desperation. All right, Katrina. Well, listen, <laughs> thank you for all you do. It's fantastic work done by Cork Penny Dinners. You and everybody else in Penny Dinners, but you as a representative yeah. of them, Katrina Doomey. Thank you very much. And uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. And we'll play out with your choice. Listen from Christy Moore. Thank you, Des. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.